Hey there, I'm Joanne Tambrakis, and this is Marketing, Mindfulness, and Martinis. Unfiltered conversations, or as I like to say, opinions shaken, not stirred, on what's changing and what's not in business and in life as we enter into the next normal. So pour yourself your beverage of choice, and let's get to it. Hello, hello, hello. We're taking a break from having a guest this week for a special solo episode. It's not quite a rant. It's more of a reflection. You see, last week I got a message from Twitter telling me that I had joined the platform 12 years ago that day in April 2009. You heard that right. 12 years. 4,380 days ago. That's a very long time. My first thought was, how could it be possible that so much time had passed? It didn't seem like 12 years ago that Twitter was still fresh and new and the social network to join, or as they like to say say in the early days, a microblogging platform. My second thought was wondering how much of those 12 years I had spent posting, retweeting, commenting, and mindlessly scrolling, which brought me to my third thought. What? Did I really have to show for it? I mean, I've had meaningful relationships that profoundly affected who I am, and they did not last that long. So why had I stayed in this one? And what in all that time had I actually learned? So I decided to take a little look back. And in the beginning, as I remembered it, in those heady early days, Twitter was a lot of fun. You could make connections, follow interesting people, and often learn something new. I even made friends on Twitter. There was no algorithm dictating what was showing up in my feed based on my past preferences or who I was connected with or what they liked. It was possible at that time to discover something you might not have known you had any interest in, much the same way as wandering in a physical bookstore might find you picking up a book, that until that moment, you had no idea you were even remotely interested in. But there was something about the cover of the title that drew you in. If nothing else, the fact that you had to try and compose a thought in 140 characters or less, it gave Twitter a creative hook that really forced you to get your message as succinct as possible. I really liked that challenge. Plus, it was a place anyone could build a platform on, no matter who you were or how much money you had, as long as, hopefully, you had something, as we like to say in content marketing, worth sharing. But things started to change, like all startups that begin using the freemium model. Once they get popular and reach critical mass, they have to figure out how to make money in order to survive. And while they will never admit it, the user experience starts to run second fiddle to creating revenue. User privacy also runs second to creating revenue. And once they go public, stakeholders too often run second to the stockholders. It's sad, but it's true. Now, while Twitter and other social media platforms can squawk all they want that they are not tech companies that they are tech companies, excuse me, and not media companies. The truth is social media is media. The word is right there in the title. And like most media companies, advertising dollars have always been, and they continue to be the primary source of revenue. 
True that of late, Twitter is said to be mulling the idea of a subscription premium membership to the platform. But as I record this, that is not the case. So ad dollars for the time being is what they continue to seek. The quest for advertising revenues is the incentive to playing around, manipulating, if you will, the algorithms. Now, in the early days of Twitter, my feed would always start with something fresh and new. Not today. I continue to see the names in my feed again and again based on my past habits. Discovery on Twitter, discovery not based on my past behaviors and who I might be connected with, is a thing of the past. Now, Twitter is not the lone culprit in this. It's an ongoing issue with all social platforms. But since Twitter is the subject of this diatribe, we'll stick with Twitter. Things were changing, including changing the 140-character limit to 280 and adding the ability to create threads. But still I stayed, with rarely a day going by that I did not check in on Twitter, if not once, twice, three times a day. Then came the bad actors. In those early days of social media, it never occurred to me what damage these platforms could create when they got into the wrong hands. It wasn't as much the idealism that Twitter was a platform that could help create positive change in the world, and it has, we've seen examples of that, as it was then the lack of understanding I had in algorithms, how they work, and unfortunately, how they can be manipulated. Now, while I know a lot more about it today, the truth is I still don't fully understand the mechanics of how algorithms work. In fact, I'm convinced the only people who really understand it are the ones that are writing those algorithms. But I have learned enough to understand that algorithms used on social media platforms are programmed to get your attention, not necessarily as Twitter and its competitor Facebook will tell you, to improve your user experience. They want your attention because attention brings them more money in the form of advertising dollars. And to be fair, traditional networks have done a form of this for years. The rule of thumb is that in the news business has been as if it bleeds, it leads, which is why every newscast starts not with what went right in the world that day, but what went terribly, horribly wrong. We are statistically more inclined to pay attention when things are negative as we are when things are positive. And again, our attention translates into ratings or impressions, and that brings more ad dollars. That said, one of the big differences between traditional media and social media from an advertising standpoint is the ability of social media to collect data about you and target you specifically with a message. Traditional has not had the benefit of access to the data accumulated about you, about you specifically as an individual as you cavort on the web. It was during the Trump years, though, that I really started to see the tide turning from enjoying Twitter as a social media platform to finding it a constant source of anxiety. Now, from the moment 45 announced his bid for the presidency in 2015, it was clear how the conversation on Twitter started to deteriorate. There is little that man, in my humble opinion, knew how to do effectively, but he was a master at using Twitter to get attention drawn to him. Add that to the fact his rhetoric and his lies were aided and abetted by bad actors in general, Russia to be exact, and a failure on the part of the platform's leader, think Jack Dorsey, to do anything substantial about it. And the atmosphere on Twitter changed drastically. But that did not make it any less addictive, at least not to me. I was still there. 
Now, it was around that time that I was first introduced to just exactly how bots, trolls, cyborgs, I always trip on that name, and sock puppets worked. My friend Ryan Davis, who's the chief digital officer in Main Street One and was a guest on episode three of this podcast, came in to guest lecture to my NYU grad students at the time. And he broke down what is really a very complex subject into the basics of how AI is used. My reaction was a combination of fascination and horror. I could see how this fed into what we've come to call the attention economy. Everything we read, see, or hear each day is competing for our attention so money can be made off of it. The manipulation of that attention through the use of algorithms can make money. We've all borne witness to how the use of AI can and has disrupted our social discourse. But despite the tide changing, I still find, found myself checking into Twitter a few times a day. You could say it was that FOMO, fear of missing out. More likely, it was wrapped up in the addictive design of the algorithms. It was similar to my obsession with chocolate since the onset of the pandemic. I know too much is not good for me, yet when I get anxious and stressed, I just eat more, which converts into more anxiety and more stress over the weight gain. But that's a whole other story. My trust, not just in Twitter, but in social media in general, continued to erode. And I'm not alone. As much as the majority of our time spent with media has shifted from traditional to digital, traditional is still trusted more than social networks. And when it comes to data privacy, Twitter ranks seventh out of nine networks surveyed by eMarketer, followed only by TikTok and then Facebook. Now, I will admit that the toxicity of Twitter that descended on it has lightened a bit after banning 45, but it is still just not the same place as it was 12 years ago, not even close. So the question becomes, do I stay or should I go? Has the bad outweighed the good? And what have I learned? Well, the one thing I've learned is that social media is here to stay. And while I believe, as I have for years, that the platform choices will continue to propagate in much the way cable television networks did, the stalwarts, the originals, the Twitter and Facebooks of the world will hang on in much the way CBS, NBC, and ABC still exist, just not with as great a reach. I've also learned that for me, I'm not ready to leave. Or quite frankly, can I completely, given the fact I teach this stuff? and like to see it firsthand, it makes me better at what I do. But as I think, see things now, it's that relationship doesn't give, it's kind of like that relationship that doesn't give you back the same as it once did, but it gives you just enough that you don't want to sever ties completely. Maybe the, the answer is just not to make it such a big part of your daily life and to use all that extra time that you're saving to create something new. Thanks for listening this week. Next week, I'll be back with another interview. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. Give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify so other people can find us and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you've got a question you'd like answered or a topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me a note, info at joannetombrakis.com. And until next time, remember, whatever got you to where you are, 
isn't enough to keep you there. 